you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, to follow our dreams, and pursue fulfilling our true potential. I'm always on a mission to do that. I know that I have done that. I'm out there doing it consistently in my life, but sharing inconsistently on this podcast. And uh, I always aspire to get better with those things. And I have published a few interviews sporadically lately, as well as some solo episodes. And oh, thank you, buddy. Uh, this is my son, Teddy, coming in to give me something. You know, you could call this lazy or you can call this valuable. It depends on what you like. And it's up to you if you want to listen to it or not. But I decided that I've been going on some other podcasts lately. And sometimes I come off of it thinking, wow, I gave more value on that podcast than I do on my own podcast because oftentimes if I'm I'm just going to record a solo episode, I kind of know what I want to talk about. But it's a little bit harder when you're on your own versus uh, getting asked questions. And sometimes it's easier to when you're prompt, uh, prompted by someone with a good question to wind up and, and go with some of the thoughts that are in my head and the things that I want to say to inspire other people. Something I would do is when I do an interview and I think it's especially good, uh, that I would grab the audio or ask the host if I can get a copy of the audio file and publish that on this podcast as well. Uh, so I have a couple coming up for you. The one I want to share with you today is from Klaus von Oosterhout. And uh, Klaus, you may have heard him on this podcast recently, episode 133 uh, that I published on April 15th. Uh, was about becoming a fearless father with Klaus. And uh, Klaus is a Dutch guy in Spain. He has um, a business doing uh, MMA training, and he also has a group for entrepreneurial dads, uh, which I love what he's doing because I consider myself an entrepreneurial dad and I want to inspire other entrepreneurs, other dads, and especially entrepreneurial dads. And I thought this interview, he had me on his show when he first started out and uh, I thought it was a great interview that I feel like I shared a lot of uh, good, inspiring things. It takes a little while to warm up. In the beginning, we talk about travel and some other stuff, and then we really get into it. So I thought I would share that in this show. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. Uh, if you think I should share more of these, let me know. If you think I should not, either let me know that or just skip them in the future because um, I've got another one coming up for you soon uh, with uh, Brad Hart as well, if I haven't already shared that. So here's my interview on the Fearless Father podcast. And by the way, if you like this and you like Klaus and you like the mission, go check out his podcast, Fearless Father. Uh, it's on iTunes, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. But here's my interview on his show. Welcome, everybody. I am so happy. More reasons than just one, but I have been looking forward since the moment I booked this live interview. I was like jumping for joy because I have been following this guy for a little bit and checking out his messages. And I just really want to pick Andy's brain to know what does he do for his energy, for example, and to achieve all the success that he's having. It's absolutely insane. So Andy, man, before we start with all my questions, <laughs> first, let, let's start off, man. What's your background story? Oh, background story. You know, there's it. Everybody has a story, right? And we've all made so many changes over our life, and it's, so it's hard to know even know where to go. But 
I grew up in you know, a middle-class household in Orlando, Florida, where I live now in the United States. And uh, my parents were divorced, but both very loving. And I split time um, between both households and had great mm-hmm. parents that are still around today. And uh, my parents were teachers, they were educators. And so there was a big focus on education and academics in my house. That was the most important thing was to get good grades and go to college. And so, and I felt a lot of pressure on that, but I I pulled it off. You know, I got into the school I wanted to go to, which was the University of Florida and had an academic scholarship and all of that. And around that time, I discovered the idea of right after I graduated, I, and by the way, while I was in school, I met my wife, Courtney. Um, we started dating and uh, eventually got married. And I also discovered this idea of entrepreneurship right after college when I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which so many people know and, and as often introduced people to this idea of entrepreneurship. And I tried, I wanted to follow that path, even though nobody in my family that I knew of had ever been an entrepreneur. And um, my wife and I, then girlfriend, future wife, and I moved from Florida out to California for no really great reason other than you know we wanted to try new things we moved to LA and i went into i went to work for a couple different startups and started some companies of my own everything failed there was nothing that really worked out i had some terrible bosses um, that uh, i wish i could remember all the stories from those experiences but we both ended up going to grad school at USC i got my mba and i got into consulting for a really cool swedish company called BTS that moved me up to San Francisco where we lived for four years. And I got a chance to travel all over the world designing and delivering training and development workshops for big companies around strategy and building business simulations. And it was a really awesome opportunity. Along the way, we started having kids. My daughter was born in San Francisco. And uh, we moved back to my hometown of Orlando about four years ago. And about a year and a half ago, I left my job with the consulting company, BTS, to go out on my own as an independent consultant. And I'm still in um, the area of training and development, corporate development, if you will, connecting companies with really cool uh, learning solutions in areas like leadership development, strategy alignment, business acumen, things like that. So I am essentially in sales, but I also do a lot of facilitation. And then, of course, as you know from following me, probably I'm really big into personal development, mm-hmm. um, doing everything I can to learn and grow and improve every day and trying to inspire those around me to do the same. And you know, current situation, as I said, I live in Orlando. I'm married to my wife, Courtney, for nearly 15 years, and we have uh, two kids as well. Congratulations, man. 15 years is awesome. Yeah. I am so happy that I keep getting interviews with people that are married for such a long time because uh, I started kind of believe that it's unique instead of like, you know, it's kind of normal that you married in and you stick with it. Even if it doesn't really, you know, you have your hard moments, you still work and you continue just like you mentioned personal development, right? We'll go into right. that a little bit later, man. You picked on something that I want to talk about. I've never talked to or asked this to anybody so far, man. You mentioned you traveled a lot. And when I, when I follow and see your post, man, it's always... Blame this, blame that, family, yeah. we go here and stuff like that, man. And yeah. some people, on the other hand, they never move right? either from the country, maybe not even from their own village, right? So let's inspire yeah. them a little bit. Explain to me, man, what, what are the benefits or what are some of the most wonderful things that you have done and learned from traveling? Mm, I like that question. And of course, everybody's different and they're going to operate differently. I just learned recently... I've been traveling almost constantly for the last eight years and I love it. There's a guy who I'm friends with in my... I'm in a mastermind group that I just realized or learned that 
he just got on a plane for the first time in 12 years and his wife hasn't flown since their honeymoon. And so it's just a completely different lifestyle, right? They don't, they don't travel and they, they drive a few places. So I, you asked about the benefits. I'll start with this. Uh, I read a book recently called, I think it was Dream Teams by Shane Snow. And in that book, he cites a study that he did that basically said that uh, it was all about being more open-minded and how people are able to be open-minded and change their minds and be open to talking to different people. And uh, the closest connection, what came out of the study was that the more countries people had visited or the more they had traveled, the more open-minded they mm-hmm. tend to be. Now, the shortcut to this, if you're not someone that can really afford to travel that much or you can't get out that much because your job, whatever it is, it's a not as big of a correlation, but the more books people read, the more open-minded they tend to be as well. And you know, funny, along those lines, I don't know where it came from. My wife and I decided we were both really interested in traveling. And um, we traveled mostly around the US until we were close to 30 years old. I took my first international trip when I was 27. I was in business school and we went to China for two weeks. And that was just a really eye-opening experience. And I think when you go to other countries and you know, see other cultures and how people live, it gives you so much more perspective for you know, where you come from and the things, how you operate and how life is. And you understand that it can be very different in different places and different cultures. And so we got hooked on that. And we went back to China again in 2009 and backpacked around China and Vietnam. And we wanted to travel more, but we didn't really have very much money. So one of our workarounds actually was we signed up for this website. I don't know if it's really that around or popular anymore called Couchsurfing. Uh-huh. And we started hosting people on Couchsurfing. Uh, it was couchsurfing.org. It predated Airbnb. And you know you would stay with people for free and let them stay with you for free in order to kind of get to know different people. And usually they'd buy you dinner or something like that or cook you dinner at their house. Uh-huh. And um, this was before Airbnb came around. And, and when that came around, we started charging people. <laughs> but before that, we would host all these people from all over Europe and Asia and Australia and different countries. And it was such a cool way to kind of experience different cultures without even though we didn't really have the money or we didn't think we had the money to go out and travel. Some people go out and do it anyway, right? We had jobs and we felt like we needed to stick with those. But it was a great way to to connect with a lot of people and learn about different cultures and people would cook for us. And um, we ended up getting featured in the New Yorker magazine uh, because we hosted an a writer who was uh, writing a story about it and she stayed on our couch in San Francisco one time, which was pretty funny. But we we started traveling more and I, and I got really lucky that I got this consulting job with BTS because I did start traveling all over the country. And also, I think I took my first trip to Europe when I was 30. And now in the last eight years, I've probably traveled to Europe 30 times. And of course, you live there, so you know more about it than I do. But I just every time I go, I see new things and it opens my eyes to different cultures, different ways of life. And I think it just makes you more open-minded and more cultured. And you can easily, more easily have conversations with different people. And for me, my life, the big, one of the biggest drivers for me in life is learning and growth. I mm. want to always be learning and growing. And visiting different places is another way. Again, you can sit at home and read books and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's a great way to learn about the world if you, you have limitations. Um, But getting out there and seeing things is so eye-opening, so wonderful. And I want to keep doing that and do more of that. And I want to do that with my kids as well, because I think it's a a great way to learn and become more open-minded and see the world. Absolutely, man. I'm so glad I asked you this question. I totally agree. 
but it always sounds weird now if I just start saying that. So I really appreciate you sharing that, man. China, dude, for the first time going abroad and then going to China, that must have been a culture shock because I remember before we went to China, so my wife and I, before we decided like we're going to move in together, we decided we go on a vacation and mm. we went to China for our vacation to see how we go get along together in something in a different culture. Interesting. And China was still a culture shock for me, even though I, I studied already in the U.S. and I traveled all over Europe. And we went into the outskirts of China and... It's very different, right? I mean, culturally, especially because of the Cultural Revolution and socialism and the way people, you know, kind of grew up there, especially mm-hmm. the older generation, what they grew up in, they have different manners, you know, different mannerisms, different levels, the way they respect other people's space. I mean, you get on buses and everybody's playing loud music and smoking cigarettes right next to you. And you're like, dude, what is going on? Yeah. And I always think it's funny too, that people have, what they haven't really traveled to Asia. Have you been to Japan as well? No, 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 not yet. It's on the list. So, <laughs> yeah. So I've been to Japan a couple of times. It's my favorite country to visit. It's beautiful. Mm. People are so nice and they're so rule abiding, similar to like Germany, if you will. And, you know, people that haven't been to Asia probably group those two countries together. They could not be more different, China and Japan. I mean, it's just amazing. And seeing those things just opens your eyes to how different people are in the world. It's so interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you shared that, man. We drove backwards in a bus on the highway. <laughs> an exit. I mean, that, that's... <laughs> it's like, where do they do that, right? And then yeah. no one the horn either. It's like... That's the way we are. It's just okay. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad you shared that. So you mentioned personal development. And and I saw actually right like an hour ago, I was checking you out a little bit to see if I could get some extra things to ask you. And I saw that you wake up really early. You have like a really solid morning routine. And I am very fond. I am actually teaching morning systems to, to fathers out there. So Share with me, please, what does your morning look like? When do you get up? How do you set it up? And explain a little bit the, the benefits over time that you, you've accomplished with this. Yeah, well, I'm excited that you're aligned about that and you're, and you're teaching this to other people because it is probably the single biggest thing that has changed my life and made me much more driven and successful and, and who I am. And it all goes back to... January 2016, so almost three years ago as we recorded this, actually exactly three years ago as we recorded this, um, that I discovered a a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Mm. And I'm sure you're familiar with it if you teach this. Hal uh, wrote this book all about how he went out and studied the most uh, successful or the practices that the most successful people do every day. And he combined them into one practice he called The Miracle Morning. And I still follow that every morning. So it's uh, I get up usually around five o'clock, sometimes five thirty, but I aim for five. Lately, it's been five a.m. every day. To I meditate, then I'll make some coffee and I'll take some take a walk and do my affirmations and mm-hmm. visualization practice. Uh, I've gotten a little lazy with the visualization lately, but it it comes in handy when you have uh, important meetings and presentations, but also thinking about where your life is going. Um, the affirmations definitely something that I had never. Um, been exposed to before, but it's a great way to remind yourself daily of your goals and things you want to accomplish and the person you want to become and the things that you want to eliminate from your life. Like I'm trying to eliminate judgment and cynicism and things like that. If I remind myself every day, it's easier for me to get rid of that and and not think about the negative, but focus on the positive all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I sit down and, and read 
for 20 or 30 minutes. And then I have a journal that I write in every day. All of those things have been game changers for me. I mean, going back to meditation, again, something that I never did before I discovered this. Mm-hmm. And now I, you know, I do it every day. In fact, over the last three years, I've missed like three days of, of meditation. The current app I use, I use Calm and it has mm-hmm. me like 646 days in a row or something like that of meditation. Yeah. And I credit that with being, uh, you know, having more patience and being uh, calmer around my kids. But the reading, I, I read way more books because of this. I'm much more prepared for my day and keep up with tasks and things I want to do more because of the journaling. And I just feel like I've gotten a lot done already. You know, I'm achieving a lot of things because I get up and I'm very intentional with my day versus being reactionary like so many people are, right? Getting up, looking at the phone, immediately reacting to texts and emails and and that sort of thing. And I try to avoid doing that very much until I've completed this whole thing. And also, you know, the five o'clock, you can get up whenever you want. But the idea is for me, at least a cup, try to do a couple hours before I need to be doing other things. And typically my kids get up around seven. So if I get up at five, that's two hours that I have to myself to do all these things. And then when my kids get up, I'm not rushing around. I'm fully prepared to be present with them um, while we eat breakfast and get ready to go to school. Nice, man. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the last thing. It's like you're ready for your kids to wake up, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's so many dads out there that either get waking up by their kids or, or yep. they just wake up and they wake up their kids, which means that you're groggy. Well, now your kids wake up and they see their father just freaking, you know, ready, energetic, yeah. big smile on his face, positive, and, and that must give them a really good feeling too, which I think... Is one of the most important things, and and I enjoy doing that. Well, and sometimes they they get up and they see me they see me working on the computer or something. But mm-hmm. a lot of other times they get up and they see me reading a book or writing in my journal. They know that's a regular practice. Sundays I get up a little bit later, and sometimes we're close mm-hmm. to the same time. And they see me meditating as well, and I try to get them involved in that. They're not too interested yet, but the fact is they see me doing these things, and so I know that will have an influence on them and their own lives as well. Exactly, exactly. That's great. Because see, you already answered it. But I was wondering if you are trying to form somewhat of a morning routine with your kids as well. And because how old are your kids? You got a son and a daughter, right? Uh, yeah, I have a daughter and a son. They're uh, just about to turn five and three next month. And I wouldn't say we have that much of a morning routine around this type of stuff yet. I know I could do more there. We could be doing... I, I know some parents that do you know, art and creative stuff in the morning and start into affirmations and things. I've tried a little bit of meditation with them. When we eat breakfast together every morning when I'm home and we do two things there, I have a a question book that a friend turned me onto a long time ago. It's called like three years of questions or something like that. And it's there's every single day there's a prompt and you can ask your kids the question. It's really useful once they're like four. I think we started a little earlier than that. So we do the question book and then I'm a big fan of the book, The Daily Stoic Uh uh, by Ryan Holiday. You got it right there. Nice. I've got my coffee as well on my dining room table. And on my Kindle, I take it everywhere I go. And I'm, nice. I'm, I'm not a religious person. And the Daily Stoic has become my Bible. And so I read it every morning with my kids. And again, they're young. They're not really paying attention to it. They know the names Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and Seneca and things like that. But they, you're not paying. But the thing is, we're getting in the habit of, hey, we read every day. We talk. We ask questions. You know, you know, Daddy writes in his journal and reads and that sort of stuff, and of course, read books every night as well. But uh, still, haven't gotten that much into the bringing them into the routine yet. But that's something I could work on. 
Yeah, yeah, but they're still young, five and three, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Listen, man, look, there's something I do with my kids every morning, and even a three-year-old now is starting to do it, is I follow this uh, lady from the UK, and it's called Cosmic Kids Yoga. And it's mm. all kinds of stories, like Pokemon, Star Wars, crocodiles, stuff like that. And then she makes a really great story about this. It's for that kind of age group, three, five, and then going up a little bit. And it's... Okay. We do it all together. It's lots of fun. I actually posted a live video on on Facebook this morning. So, oh, nice! I'll have to check yeah. that out. And uh, the live video and the the Cosmic Kids Yoga. My kids both are. They know that I go to yoga every week, and my daughter goes to yoga with me now. Yeah, um, I saw we, that. Practice a little, we practice a little bit at home. My son, my two year old, he does downward dog, and then he does a somersault, right. and, he, and he keeps going, "Daddy, I'm doing yoga." He's doing somersaults. I'm like, "Yeah, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I saw that picture with your or your message also that you mentioned that your daughter just kept going for a whole hour of yoga. That's that's amazing. I'm yeah. happy. Well, my if we do 20, 30 minutes, which is the whole thing, my yeah. oldest follows it. My youngest uh, this morning was five minutes. Yeah, at least he said namaste. And then after that, it went downwards. <laughs> but, hey, baby steps, you know, some of yeah, us didn't exactly. until much later, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm happy that he gets off the couch because before he's just still sleeping at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, um, you do a lot of workouts. I mean, I saw you mentioned that you, you did a workout, the gym was close, you still worked out. What kind of things do you do for your health and your energy and what kind of systems you got up for your setup so you make sure because you travel, you got two young yeah. kids, you know, business, etc., to make sure that your energy is just on top of its game? Yeah, you know, people comment on my my energy a lot. That, and I think naturally I bring a lot of energy to situations. But I'm also doing a lot, right? To your point, like I'm running a business. I've got a family. I host two podcasts. I'm doing a lot of stuff on social media, and I want to have a lot of energy all day mm-hmm. long. And so there are some critical components that go into that. Number one is, I think probably the biggest component is getting enough sleep. Right? There's there's nothing that can really replace that. At least six hours. I target, you know, between seven and eight most nights. So I try to get in bed by nine or so if I'm getting up at five, you know, um, a lot of people are staying up watching TV, doing things that are causing them to, you know, to disrupt their sleep. And so there's, I think there's a lot that can be said there. Number two is, is a healthy diet. Uh, so important to be eating healthy. We're trying to do that all the time. And it's not that we don't eat some junk on the weekends and things like that, but you know, typically protein and vegetables for dinner every night. And I have a smoothie for lunch every day, you know, just trying to eat healthy as possible. And then meditation, I mentioned, really important for, I think, brain health and and Mm -hmm. mental energy. And then I've always been big into fitness since I was in school. So I continue that now. In 2017, I had a goal to work out every day. And I think I missed, I don't know, like five days throughout the year. In 2018, I eased up on that as I was more focused on the business. But I was still Mm -hmm. working out probably six days a week. And 2019 is probably going to be about the same thing. So, and I... I mix that up, but typically I'll be lifting weights four days a week, um, try to do some cardio at least once a week mm-hmm. and do yoga at least once or twice a week. And the yoga I introduced about three years ago and I absolutely love it. I, I would love to do more of it, um, but I don't know. There's certainly a lot of health benefits, but I want to get the lifting and the other things in as well. Exactly. Um, and I think all of those things are important and you know you can do what you want but the important thing is to and a lot of people are big on working out early in the morning i go all different times of the day okay. my rule is just that i need to go 
right? Mm-hmm. So the last two last two days, I was in the gym at 6 a.m. because I was traveling and I had meetings all day. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm going to be done around 3, 4 o'clock and I'm going to go to the gym in the afternoon and take my kids with me. Because I asked them, do, they want, do you want to come with me? Because um, the gym I go to has a pretty good daycare. So I can take yeah. the kids with me on the weekends or if I go after school, that kind of thing. And again, that's another thing where sometimes they complain they don't want to go. Sometimes they do want to go. Either way, they know that I go to the gym all the time. They yeah. see it. And we can start to get involved in some different things together there. You know, if I go to Lyft, they're in the, they're in the daycare. But um, I've taken my daughter to yoga with me twice now. And last weekend, we also jumped in on a couple of the cardio classes. Oh, and cool. it was fun to see them like running around and, and doing some of the stuff. And so I think it's just those are things that, you know, can have a great impact on the kids because they, they see what you do and they see it's important to you. And they know that it's important to me. And it is really important to me that I just... I'm getting some type of exercise doing something every day because I know it's going to make me healthier and happier and probably more productive, more energetic. And by posting about it a lot, which I do, and I know some of my friends probably roll their eyes and they've seen enough of it. Um, but others, many, many others have told me they've been inspired to go work out because they've seen my posts about it. And that's why I do it because I love helping and inspiring other people to go get healthy as well. Exactly. That's great, man. I, yeah, I think inspiring others is, is so important. I'm trying here in Spain as well because I see so many fathers out there. If at all they go with their kids do something and they're in the playground, for example, they just sit there and they just got their phone, right? And then you're just, you're yeah. just rolling. And then, and then they see me going, yeah. ah! <laughs> and I'm like, Man, and then later you're going to complain that your kids are all grown and they don't listen to you anymore. It's like, and they're on the phone all all day. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, you know, and then they see your kids, right? And they're like, man, but they go to the gym. Yeah, of course. That's what he showed him. He was their hero, just like you are your kid's hero. So I love it. Great. I um, Yeah, keep inspiring people, please. Um, It inspires me as well. I, I love your post, so keep doing it. Love it. So... You mentioned, man, you already said one book, and I think that comes into personal development as well. Uh, reading is important to you. I keep hearing a lot of people saying uh, reading books, like, you know, actually physical or doing audio. Do you have a preference? Which, how, how do you have that set up? Do you do both or just one? Yeah, I am. I'm strictly a reading books, uh, I guess, the traditional way kind of guy. I've, I've never really done an audio book. And I would say the two reasons for that is number one, I don't have a lot of times where I would be doing that. I, I work from home. I don't have a commute. When I'm out, I walk a lot in the neighborhood, but I'm usually with my kids. Mm-hmm. And then the few times when I do have time to listen to something, I've got so many podcasts that I want to listen to, like mm-hmm. yours, that you know, I feel like I don't have time for books. So I like reading, you know, sitting down and reading the traditional way. And a note on that, you know, going back to the morning routine, talk about a shift. A lot of people know that reading is good and they want to read and they probably grew up reading. Like I grew up reading a lot of books. You know, my parents built that, you know, influenced me there. But I think for a long time throughout my 20s and early 30s, I was a very typical for someone, you know, educated in the Western world who maybe wants to read books, but doesn't read that many because they'll say, okay, I'm going to read a book when I lay down at night before I go to bed. And so I would pull out my book and I would read about two pages and I would fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And so how long would it take me to read a book? About six months and I would read on average two books a year. 
right? Maybe three if I found a really good one and I couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I started doing the morning routine and actually dedicating 25 to 30 minutes every morning, uh, that first year in 2016, I think I read 25 books. and was like, wow, I'm reading a lot more than I used to. And the next year I read 30. And the next year, last year I read about 28 books, I think. I usually keep a spreadsheet. And um, so now we're in January 2019. I'm about to finish, I think, my fourth book. A couple of my had already started. And I'm you know, going through more books. I'm also... I think it's good enough to read just to read, but it's important to try to put some of those things in practice too, if they're mm. learning type books. So I do try to put things in practice. I'm always writing down notes, things that I learn and things that I want to implement and try. And you know, as a result of this, it's funny, I'm always getting tons of book recommendations. People send me books in the mail now, <laughs> which is like, how do I keep up with all these books? Um, unfortunately, I'm not... By the way, for anyone listening, they're like, oh my gosh, he read 30 books. I can never do that. I am not a speed reader. I'm not a fast reader. I think I'm a pretty slow reader. I've actually compared... I have a good friend named Alan from business school who reads much faster than me. We both took the same reading test once and his reading speed was three times faster than mine. Oh. And he read like 70 books last year. Um, and he's not even... I don't even think he even follows his established routine. I think he just looks at a book you know, and <laughs> somehow reads it. But the point I'm trying to make is it's not that I'm a fast reader or have any superhuman strength. It's just that I'm dedicating time. That's mm. all it is. Anything you want to do in life, whether it's reading or meditating or exercising or playing with your kids or you know working on a hobby, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is dedicating the time. People make excuses so often about, oh, I don't have time for this. I wish I could read more, but I don't have time. I wish I could work out like you do, but I don't have time. I wish that I you know, could get into meditation, but I don't have time which is such complete bullshit. You know it as well as I do, right? You're smiling, you're, you're nodding. <laughs> People have time to do whatever they want. It's yeah. all about prioritization. It's about making the time and dedicating the time to do the thing. If you want to read 30 books, then dedicate that time, schedule that time in the morning and sit down and read a book and stop looking at your phone and reacting to other things. If it's not that important to you, then don't worry about it. Go do something else. But stop making excuses that you don't have time for something and focus on what is within your control and prioritize. And rant. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, I love rants. People always apologize for rants. I'm like, no. no, no, no. Yeah, we're go, go. Real golden nuggets come out. Thanks, man. So I want to ask you on that because you mentioned like, oh, I read 28 books and somebody reads 70. And mm -hmm. sometimes you see people like, oh, I read so many books. And yeah. they don't like what I say next. It's like, to be honest, I don't really care how many books you read. You can read one book or you can read... Yeah. What have you done with what you read? Like you mentioned right. that, take yeah. action, right? Yeah. So I think that's the most important thing. If you read one book and took massive action and yeah. impact in your life and other people, then bravo. If you read 50 books but you haven't done anything, it's like... Totally. I know a couple people that do that, right? They say, I'm going to pick one or two books this year and I'm going to focus in on it. I'm going to read it two, three, four times. I'm going to take tons of notes and I'm going to implement everything from that book. If you do, that's fantastic because you're learning and growing and making changes. It doesn't matter that you read one and I read 25. That life, There's no prize at the end of the day for most books read. If there is going to be a prize, it should be for the person that grows the most and gets the absolute most out of life and, and lives you know, up to their potential. So whatever helps you do that, for me, I actually... On that note, I had set an intention at the beginning of 2018 that I would read less books and focus more on implementation. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't help myself because I get so many recommendations and I come across so many books that I'm like, 
oh, I want to read that. I want to read that. And so I just, I couldn't stop. I'm like addicted to reading more books and discovering. And so I actually could probably benefit from slowing down sometimes. I, you know, for me, I guess it's a trade-off between do you want to get and implement a slow down and get five key nuggets out of a book or go faster and maybe get one to two out of each book, but read more books. Either way, I think at the end of the day, you probably get the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a matter of how you spend your time. Exactly. No, absolutely true. If you had to, you know, all of a sudden somebody's going to tell you, look, you can only read one or two books this year. You're not allowed to read any more. Which yeah. book or two books would be on it? Like they pop in your head right now. You'd say, I would read those two books. I had to pick one to one or two books that that's all I could read, you know, this year. The Daily Stoic would be one of them for okay. sure. Yeah. I think my whole life I can run off of that. And then um, maybe one of those Tim Ferriss books or Tony Robbins that I know there's just so much knowledge in there for all of life that I can use, uh, like Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors, where I could just read this over and over and just keep pulling so many nuggets out of it. Mm-hmm. And probably live my whole life based on that. And I, I wouldn't need anything else. Awaken the Giant Within from Tony Robbins, which I read you know, three years ago. is, And I've been to a couple of his programs now. It's 30 years old and it has everything you need to live a best, your best life. You don't need anything else. So I would probably pick one of those. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Awaken the Giant. I can't get through the book. It's so big. It's so full yeah. of nuggets that I just keep getting stuck. I'm like, okay, I got to focus on what he actually shares and work on that. And then... Right. Yeah, that's a book where you can pick one chapter or one section and focus on it for three to six months and not move on because there's so much huge, impactful Mm -hmm. advice in there. Like, you know, I know there's there's a whole section on the language we use, right? And how so much of our life is influenced by the language we use to ourselves and to others. You could spend the next six months just focused on, I'm going to make sure that I only use positive, affirmative language around myself, around others to influence my life. And that's the biggest change I'm going to make. And you'll probably improve your life 10x just focusing on that without even implanting the other things. And then you can start working on, okay, well, how do I control my emotions and the way I react to things? How do I eliminate judgment and cynicism and all these things? How do I focus on goals and take massive action towards stuff? There's so many things you can pull out of that and that you could spend time working on the individual things, it's all going to be beneficial. Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned this before as well, uh, you know, being positive and you're really trying to focus on that. I actually, it was this week, somebody was mentioning like, you, we just have automatic negative thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have automatic positive thoughts, apparently. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, how do you work with that? Because... That's really hard. What, do you have some tricks or something that you can share or something mm. to focus on? Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of things. And number one, I, I, would, I would just say right off the bat, I think I'm a little bit lucky. I think I'm just naturally inclined to be positive and optimistic. And I'm just awesome. lucky there that that's my personality. But the other things I would say is, number one, focus on surrounding yourself with positive influences and avoiding negative influences. I mean, you know this. And... A lot of people know this implicitly, but do you do it? Are you watching TV news? Because you know, cable news, of course, has so much negativity about what's going on in the world and politics and you know, this and that. And all of that you know, is going to bring up negative stuff. The people you're around... When I think back to my days in you know, high school and even college, I had a lot of friends who were very negative. And we spent a lot of our time being cynical and making fun of other people, judging other people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't change the past. That's who I was. And that's 
the people I was around. But that had a big influence on me. And now I don't hang around with people like that. I hang around with people who are positive and think about possibilities for the future rather than lamenting the past or things they don't have. And then the third thing I would say is that I think a lot of people's negative thoughts come from comparison. I think people spend so much time comparing themselves to other people. They look at the posts they see on social media. They look mm-hmm. at the cars that people drive, the houses they live in, what their families look like. They look at the pictures and say, oh man, that guy has it so much better than me. He makes more money. He's healthier. He works out more than me. You know, He's better looking. His kids are, are better behaved. All these things. You're like, this person's so much better than me. And it doesn't do a damn thing for you. It doesn't help you out at all. All it does is make us stressed and anxious and depressed. It doesn't improve your life in any way. So I would say, stop comparing yourself to other people. I just recorded a podcast episode on this this morning on my podcast, The Andy Stort Show. Stop comparing yourself to other people because there's no benefit to it. And focus on comparing yourself to yourself yesterday or last month or last year, right? Where have you grown? Where have you improved? Be proud of that. Be proud of your accomplishments because that's going to bring more positive thoughts to you, right? When you start thinking about, wow, you know what? Three, like I just said, four years ago, myself, I was reading two books a year. Now I'm reading 25 books a year. That's a huge improvement. That's mm-hmm. awesome. You know what? My friend Alan reads 70 books. That's cool. That shows me what's possible, but I'm not comparing myself to him. I don't care that he reads 70 books. I improved how much I read and, and learn compared to what I did in the past. Therefore, I'm pretty awesome. And by the way, a lot of people have a hard time giving themselves credit and accolades and being proud of themselves. It's okay. Be proud of yourself. You've gotten to where you are now. You should be happy with that. And you know, you don't have to be satisfied. Maybe you want a lot more, but it's okay. It's fine. It's good to be proud of what you've accomplished and give yourself a pat on the back and then start to want more and compare yourself. Okay, this is where I am now. Where do I want to be? tomorrow and stop comparing yourself to other people. I just think it's, it has such a negative influence. And that goes with the, you know, go, going to social media, which I love. You know, I'm on there all the time creating content and posting. And I know you do as well. And I think there's so many benefits to that and ways that we can connect with others. But I think people also get themselves too wrapped up in like number of likes and comments and the things that are coming because they get that little you know, endorphin rush, you know, dopamine hit, sorry, from each like and each comment. Mm. And so they get back and forth arguments with people and things like that. Get away from all that. Don't worry about all that. Just measure yourself. How much impact am I having? How much have I grown? How much have I improved compared to where I was before? And if you focus on those things and surround yourself with people who are also very positive and ambitious and wanting to get the most out of life and are supporting you, I think you're going to be a lot happier. You know, I can't help everybody. Everybody is different. Everybody has different situations. But as far as avoiding those negative thoughts and, and getting in more into the positive, those are the things I would focus on. Nice, man. I love that. It actually made me, it reminded me immediately of a, a post that Larry Hackner has shared where he was saying so many people focus on what other people share on, mm-hmm. you know, their pictures of their happy families on Facebook yeah. and stuff like that and all the things that they have. But it only shows one instant of a, of a moment in their life. You have no idea what happens behind that. That's right. so, it's the highlight reel. It's the right? highlight reel. You watch sports, right? And you watch the highlight show here in the US, it's ESPN. Over there, it might be Sky or sports or whatever it is. What do they show from the game? They don't show the whole two-hour game from the day before. They show the, the two plays that were the highlights. 
And that's what we see on social media. We see people's highlights. And then we compare our whole lives mm-hmm. to that. You have no idea what is going on in their lives behind the scenes. You don't know how much that guy or that gal is fighting with their spouse or the relationship they have with their kids or their friends or how much they hate their job or how much debt they're in because they bought that expensive car. You have no clue. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It doesn't matter how they live their life. All you need to be worried about and focus about is how you're living your life and how much you love your own life and how much you've improved over the past and the relationships you have with your spouse and your kids and your friends. It doesn't matter what those other people are doing. So stop worrying about what they're putting up there and comparing yourself be inspired if you want to be inspired. And that's, that's where I tell people to shift. It's not that you need to ignore what the great people are doing, right? You and I have podcasts and ours are probably pretty small compared to say, John Lee Dumas or mm. Pat Flynn or something like that who have huge podcasts and businesses. Oh. I don't compare myself and think, oh, I wish I could be them. I'm inspired by them because look what they've created and yep. look what's possible, right? Larry Hagner, who you mentioned, runs the Dad Judge Alliance, which is an amazing group for fathers that I've been part of for the last two years. And what he's created has been awesome. And I'm inspired by that because it shows me what's possible, how you can create a group, how you can inspire and improve lives for other people and build a community that allows people to connect and a business around that. And I hope to maybe do something like that one day. And so I don't compare myself saying, oh, I wish I was Larry Hagner. I'm just inspired by him. I'm inspired by you right now because you're doing this live and I've never done any of my podcast interviews live. And I'm thinking, man, maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to learn from you and see what you're doing. And that's, that's the attitude I take is always, what can I learn from other people? How can I get better? Not wishing I was them. I used to be like that, by the way. I've not always been this way. I was always comparing. I was always comparing, was always jealous and envious of other people's lives, their jobs, their cars, whatever they had. And I realized that who gives a shit, right? It's not going to help me. What's going to help me is being inspired and learning from people like you and everyone else that I surround myself with. And that's, so that's what I'm focused on today. Nice, man. I love it. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. People find it also weird that we surround ourselves by people like me, for example. You can kind of say that I'm doing the same as Larry. It's not the same you know, and then they're like, why are you in contact with Larry? Why do you have Larry in your podcast? I'm like, dude, why not? The guy is doing yeah. things. I hope to be as big as him one day, but different, even if we're in the same sector, we, we're just different people and there's so much abundance in this world. It's, it's a huge abundance, right? And that's the, and the abundance mindset that you could go down a whole thing on that because <laughs> that's going to serve you well as you keep going, right? That I mean, do you need to compete? How many fathers are out there that want to improve their lives? I mean, I'm one and I'm in multiple groups. You know, I like following you. I like following Larry Hagner. There's millions and millions and millions of fathers out there. And you only need a few hundred to you know, feel like you're making an impact, to make a living off of it. You don't need that many. So there's no reason to compete. You might as well just help and inspire each other. Yeah, exactly. I love that, man. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, I'm going to hop a little back, man, because you gave so much information at the beginning of your uh, of your origin story. And you mentioned like when you started out and you failed a lot, right? And so many of us, I failed a lot and I, I don't have no idea sometimes why I keep going, but we keep going, right? <laughs> yeah. Some people fail and they stop. Can you please explain a little bit like what's your philosophy in regards to failure? 
Oh, man. I think that uh, for a long time, I was afraid of failure. I was embarrassed by failure, like most people. And the reason for that, of course, when you when you really dig in, why are people afraid of failure? It's because they're afraid of judgment, right? I was afraid of judgment from others and what people would think of me. Oh. And it wasn't until I got into this area of personal development and really when I read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is another big one I would put on that list of, mm. man, I could live my whole life on this book, right? It was a huge game changer for me and living life with a growth mindset, which means that, you know, failure is more, some people say failure, there's no failure, there's only feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's trying things and learning from them. And so when you think about, you mentioned going back in my career to the startup days when I was in LA starting companies, working for startups and everything was, was failed. I used to be so embarrassed of that time in my life. Like I, I wasted those years. I didn't accomplish anything. But really what happened was I, I was learning. I was trying different things. I learned things that work and things that don't work. I learned from that experience. And all of the things that I did in my career and my life are part of my journey up to this point, are things that I can learn from. And so that's why I think that embracing failure is one of the big things that allows me to move so much faster than other people now because I'm willing to try different things and not worry as much about what's going to happen. For instance, as we recorded this in January 2019, I have a business partner. We're talking about organizing an event, a conference around uh, one of my podcasts, my talent development podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge undertaking. I have no idea what's going to happen. And in the past, I would have been like, oh, maybe one day. I'm not going to try that now because what if it fails? What if I put that out there and send emails to people and then nobody buys tickets or shows up? And that would be a failure and that would be embarrassing. But now I realize that I'm never going to make progress unless I try. And failure now, I think a failure really only is not trying. If I try to organize it and people don't buy a ticket and they don't come, then that's feedback. That's information that either I didn't describe the value enough or it's not the right opportunity or it's not the right time or something. And hopefully I can learn from it and maybe it doesn't work out. And then I organize something else later. And I think so many people... Oh, I'm one of the books I mentioned, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. is a, a collection of... you know He sent emails out and asked a, a whole bunch of people he admires the same question, like 200 people or something. And one of the questions is, what's your favorite failure and what did you learn from it? And those are my favorite answers in that book. Because so many people say things like, oh, I really wanted to be... One that stuck out was like, I really wanted to be a journalist, I think it was, or something. And I got fired from this job and I thought it was the end of the world. But then that actually created the freedom for me to go follow my passion and do this other thing. And now I love my life. I'm doing all these awesome things that I never would have done if that first thing hadn't failed. And there's tons of stories like that. And if you think about your own life and you think about the things that you failed at, a lot of times they led you to go do something else that you maybe wouldn't have been able to do if it hadn't worked out, right? So if I hadn't failed in some of those early things, then I might have been in them doing them longer until I had to quit. And that would have cost me time in doing something else, like finding a job later on or meeting people later on that I wanted to meet. And so I now think of failure as feedback, learning opportunities, and it gets me to things quicker. So if you're trying something new, you're launching a business, you know, people say that 
the worst thing that can have is mediocrity, right? Because if you're really successful, awesome. If you fail, you get to pivot and move on. But if things are just going okay, then you kind of stick with it for a long time and you don't make a change, right? So failure allows us to pivot, to make changes, to learn, and to try something new. And not that I'm not still afraid of rejection and failure and judgment. I'm doing a lot of work to move past that. And I think talking about it on podcasts like this and on my own podcast helps me even more because I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to everybody else. But I think if you look at the most successful entrepreneurs, the most successful inventors, people that we admire in the world today, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they are constantly trying new things and failing way more than they're succeeding. And they're not worried about it. And they're successful because they're not worried about it because they see failures as opportunities to learn. Exactly. Great. I'm so happy I asked you this question. Man, I keep forgetting to tell people, make sure that you have a pen and paper ready to make <laughs> Well, the good thing about podcasts, if they're not, if they're listening and recording, they can always go back. I always like pause things and rewind and write stuff down. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. What I do is I have to actually create the membership site where I post the video and the audio so people can do both. And from for all the now it'll be in your thirty second is this. I already have one earlier, four, four hours earlier. And nice. I was 30, 31, 32. Man, I'm lost. <laughs> it went too fast this week. Anyway, yeah. man, to, to continue real quick, because we're running to our end. And I just had another question. And of course, it, it just left my brain. So I'm going to skip to something else that also entered in my brain, man. Mentoring, right? I never thought, I never heard about the whole thing of a mentor until... Mm. Last year, so December of 2017, I met Niki Sobo uh, from I'm Not You. Oh, man. I know that guy. I had him on my podcast when I first started a long, long time ago. Oh, for real? Yeah. He changed my life completely in only 12 months um, where I'm now. And uh, he actually, thanks to him, now become a fearless father exists. I would have never come up with that on my own. So I'm just wondering, what's your... Thoughts on mentor, what has it done for you? Man, I love this metaphor that I think I learned from Larry Hagner actually is that everybody is in different places. Like, think about people climbing a mountain and everybody's in different positions. Mm. And so, wherever you are, there are always people ahead of you that you can learn from, and Mm. there are always people behind you that you can help. And so, I like to be in the middle, and I have lots of mentors and people that I surround myself with that I'm inspired by. And I love helping other people. So I'm always posting and commenting on social media, doing free coaching calls and stuff for people. And that's why I do the podcast to help other people. And I know you created your community to help other people and you do stuff like this to help others. Mm -hmm. And then you have mentors that you learn from. There's so many things that we want to do and we're not going to learn it all from books. We need to see other people that are doing successful things. And instead of comparing ourselves, like we talked about earlier, be inspired by them, learn from them and hopefully have some of them hold us accountable too, if they're a good coach or mentor. And the other thing I would say on that is, don't be afraid to pay for a mentor or for a coach or for a community to be around people that are going to push you and improve. I think if you come from a traditional education background like I do, you think of paying for college and and school, no problem. But like paying for a dad's community or paying for a Tony Robbins seminar or paying for a coach, crazy. It's hard to do. But I'm telling you, as I go deeper and deeper into this three years in, I've been in a mastermind group for the last two years running. I have a mentor who runs my mastermind group named Vincent Puglese. He has a great book called Freelance to Freedom and a community called Total Life Freedom that I pay to belong to. I hired a sales coach. I've got 
mentors in different areas that are that I look to in podcasting, parenting, fatherhood, finances, business, sales, entrepreneurship. All these areas I have people that I look up to and that I can reach out to. And it just makes me constantly have the ability to get better and better because I can look to see what they're doing. I can ask them questions. And like I said, don't be afraid to pay for mentorship or coaching because people deserve to be compensated for their time and for their experience and what they've developed. And it makes them more likely to get... If they're in demand, then they can't just give their time freely to a bunch of people. They're going to they're gonna decide to give it to the people that are paying them for it. It's just the way the world works, right? Mm-hmm. And so as I do more and more of that, I'm finding more mentors who are willing to give me time and great advice. And that's another big game changer that has allowed me to continue to grow and improve and get better in so many areas of my life because I have such great mentors and coaches and because of these groups that I belong to, that I pay money to belong to, that allows me to surround myself with really great people who are doing awesome stuff. And that ties again into what you mentioned earlier. You know, your environment is so important. Yeah. I like it. Man, I'm loving it. We're getting to an end. I love your passion. You can really tell that you want to inspire people, especially certain subjects. I can. I saw you, and I wanted to mention that earlier. You know, you, you see you coming up and close to the mic, and then, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get excited, man. I get excited. I'm so. Yeah. How, did this, how do we already get through an hour? I don't understand. It went so fast. Right. All right. See, I got to shout out again to Niji Soa because he's the one that taught me this doing these live interviews. Uh, I did one with him and I was absolutely not happy because I used to write out all the questions. Ah, yeah. So now you have to make it more conversational. I was reading right. what I had to say next and I wasn't connecting yeah. with my, my with the people that I was interviewing. Now, yeah, this is much out. better. I feel the connection with you, my friend. Right. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I, I'm going to tell that to DJ again when I talk to him. I, I might just hop on my call with him real quick right now. Uh, so I really appreciate it. I am 100% positive. Anybody that's watching right now or they want to watch you, they want to see you, at least when they're like me, like really energetic and passionate people, they connect with you for sure. How can we stay in touch with you? How can we follow you? Just give us the dubs. Yeah. The best way is on social media. So I'm really active on LinkedIn. For those of you in the you know professional business corporate community, because um, I'm in B2B sales, so I spend a lot of my time there. Uh, so Andy Storch, S-T-O-R-C-H. You can look me up on there. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook as well. Same name, Andy Storch. I think on Instagram, Andy underscore Storch. For some reason, I couldn't get Andy Storch. I don't know. Nobody else has it. I don't know what the deal is. But um, yeah, all three of those, I'm, I'm pretty active on. I'm posting more and more. And then I have two podcasts. Uh, one is called The Andy Storch Show, which is all about personal development. And the other one is called The Talent Development Hot Seat, which is all about corporate talent development. So if you happen to be in that space, check it out. But uh, man, this has been so awesome. I really appreciate you giving me the time and space to, uh, to rant and rave about all the things that I care about and I'm passionate about. So thank you, man. Cool, man. Uh, I actually want to say immediately, we got to do this again because I actually still have a lot of questions. So who knows, man? Maybe this year. Yeah, not, bring it on. I bring appreciate it, on. it man. I, I so much appreciate it. I feel blessed this week with all the magnificent people. And this is just like a huge cherry on the cake that I've been eating this week. So thank you for that. 